It is NFL training camp season, which means the fantasy football season is just around the corner. And here on the Fantasy Fallout podcast, we have you covered. This week, we'll be breaking down all of the news and all of the major events that went on in the NFL at the start of training camp, in addition to breaking down our wide receiver rankings as we gear you up for the fantasy football season. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss a minute. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. Today is July 26th. We're recording this on the first day of NFL training camp where all 32 teams are able to practice. And a lot of news to go over today. Um, You excited for football? (laughs) Am I excited for football? I'm actually getting a little worried that I'm too excited for football too early. I don't think it's ever too early to be excited for football. I I know for a fact that I've been waiting for this since the draft, which was in April. And I was waiting for that <laughs> since free agency, which was in April. And I was waiting for that since the Super Bowl. So really it's a it's a 24-7, 12-month year type <laughs> cycle. Never too early to get excited here. But training camp kicked off, and that meant a lot of news and a lot of things were coming out. And obviously, the most important news is that Leonard Fournette's weight is down to 245 pounds, which is what he said he weighed on Twitter. Apparently, the 260 pounds was in June. So he lost 15 pounds in a month, and he's ready to go. He's ready to dominate the fantasy season. Even so, uh, my ranking of him went a little bit down with the news today. And with that, let's get right into that. Big news coming out of Tampa on two fronts. Julio Jones, uh, he signed a one-year deal with Tampa Bay. And honestly, my first reaction here was, "Uh uh-oh, what happened to Chris Godwin, right? Sure. But then it came out that Chris Godwin was not going to be put on the pup, and he's practicing already. Right. So what do we make of this here? Um, I think we have a very high-quality albeit ancient receiver, joining a receiver group that had three very fun options, and he was able to make all of them way less fun, is what he was able to do. But I'll always have a soft spot for Julio Jones, so I certainly added him to the projections this week, and uh, I kind of expect, expect some big things. Maybe his best year in a long time back in his old division, uh, but the best quarterback he's ever had. Kind of excited. What about you, Jake? Uh, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I mean, you have, I think with Tom Brady, you'd have something like maybe either he's Randy Moss, like in 2007, or <laughs> he's something else. He, he fails out, fizzles out. I, I don't know what to do with Julio here. Uh, as... As you may know, and as you may have uh, mocked me a little bit earlier today, I dropped Julio in our dynasty league before the move happened. I was concerned about Julio's age, about where he was going, and Tampa is a great place to go for Julio. But I don't think they're going to use him as a wide receiver one or even a wide receiver two. And yes, they, they did use Antonio Brown a lot 
at Tampa. But Antonio Brown was still playing at the height of his powers when he went to Tampa. Uh, Antonio's issues were never physical. They, they were more mental. So for me, I'm cautiously optimistic about Julio, but this is obviously a concern and it's causing me to fade some of the other options in the Tampa Bay passing game, particularly the tight ends. And then Chris Godwin coming back, uh, he's not on the pup. That's remarkable to me. He tore his ACL at the end of the season. He had surgery in January and seven months in, he's practicing like full go here. So that's another thing to keep your on. I've adjusted my predictions. I think Chris Godwin is playing all 17 games. Uh, and really, he might start out slow, but where he's going right now, uh, I think he'd be of value. Now, I don't know how that's going to change, but it might. Any any thoughts on Chris Godwin before we move on to the next pieces of news here? Yeah, we can talk about Chris Godwin a little more later during the wide receiver episode. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think as long as he's playing, he's got to be the uh, highest uh, volume of receptions receiver in Tampa, no matter no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's where I have him placed too. Moving on, uh Justin Ross, rookie for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's wide receiver. Uh I believe he had an issue with a surgery that he had in college that flared back up. Uh the team had him get another surgery and he's out for the year now. It's unfortunate but I doubt you were going to take him in your fantasy league, except maybe as a deep sleeper. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he's on the non-football injury list. Uh, Mr. Week One, uh, if he doesn't play week one, then there's no value for Sammy <laughs> Watkins. And joking aside, uh, he had an opportunity here in Green Bay uh, to potentially come in. He, he, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a top target right now. Though it is trending a couple different ways. Uh, but I think this, if Sammy Watkins' injury is serious, it could hurt his impact. Now, this is a non-football injury list at the beginning of training camp. I haven't adjusted my rankings yet. If it lingers, that's when I start to worry. Yeah, for Sammy Watkins, I mean, he's more, he's on the non-football injury list or the you know regular injured list more often than not. Um, so I, I won't be worried until uh, he misses, you know, some actual important practice time. For a veteran, I'm, I'm not too concerned at this point. Yep. So Marquise Brown, another wide receiver on the non-football injury list. He was here last year as well at Baltimore. And then he had a career year. Same situation with Sammy Watkins, except Marquise Brown is a lot more talented. He's a better wide receiver overall. The Cardinals really need him over these first six weeks, especially with Hopkins. I'm not concerned if it lingers, then we'll talk about it. But it is a little bit worrying that he always seems to start the year on the non-football injury list. Major news out of San Francisco, Trey Lance, uh, formerly named the starter now. Uh, the GM, John Lynch, coming out and basically saying, we thought we would have traded you by now, Jimmy, uh, but you know what we have to do here. Trey's the starter. We need to see what we're good at have here so expectations should not change that much people have already been drafting trey lance as if he was to be the starter but with the formal announcement you might see more casual leagues 
draft him a little bit higher and that might drag his ADP up. And here's a quick question. At what point, what rounds do you, are you out on Trey Lance? Um, the sixth round? How does that sound to you, Jake? I would say I I would do round later. I'd say about round seven, but yeah, I think I would take him in the seventh or think about it. If they come out of training camp and say Trey Lance is lighting it up here, he doesn't have any fatigue issues like he had last year. He doesn't have any mechanic problems. Then yeah, the six rounds more than reasonable to take him at the litmus. But if I can still get Tom Brady round eight or Aaron Rodgers round nine. Round seven, even with Trey Lance's potential, seems like a bit much to me. Yeah, and uh, the, the talk of the community this week has been Justin Fields in the 13th versus Trey Lance in the 7th or 8th, um, which is another yeah. interesting debate. And I know we don't like Justin Fields so much, but there is there is uh, some warrant to that argument there. I was just about to say, at, at some point, even if you don't like a player as much as another guy, the, the ADP has to come into play here. If I can get like Devin Singletary round seven, round eight, and, and he had some news about him too this week that we're going to talk about in a second. And then Justin Fields versus taking Trey Lance. And then I maybe have to get a, a flyer running back. I'd rather do Devin Singletary, Justin Fields. Yep. Certainly okay. fair. Yep. Moving on, uh, some quarterback news. Joe Burrow, he had appendix surgery. It's removed. Uh, no big deal here. No big worry. He should be fine and ready to go. Kyler, as part of his contract, has to be forced to study at minimum four hours of film per week. Otherwise, he defaults on the contract. Um, Any concerns here? Uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like, you know, what I would tell myself uh, in high school, like, you know, to put your phone away, do four hours of studying for a week. Um, Cliff Kingsbury said that he was not aware of this policy, which is interesting. So if it came from the GM level, I don't know, maybe they were, you know, watching Kyler tape and they were like, wow, if Kyler saw this tape. Maybe he wouldn't make these same dumb mistakes over and over. Um, but but definitely interesting. You know, maybe we're going to see a lot more of this. Kyler is definitely a uh, Gen Z kind of kind of quarterback. Um, maybe this will be a thing that we see in a lot of contracts as guys come into the league with, you know, worse and worse uh, ADHD from being on their phones too much. I would hope to think that your franchise quarterback would study film on. Patrick <laughs> I mean, Mahomes does it. I'm sure Josh Allen does it. Uh, I'm Guessing Justin Herbert does it. All those guys are film fiends. Tyler's notoriously not. Lamar's a film fiend. I mean, the fact that you have to kind of put it in his contract and make him do basic aspects of his job is worrying to me. And it might explain a little bit of the late season collapses, right? Like, he's kind of coasting on the athleticism here. And I, I guess it's it's not a good look for the Cardinals. It really isn't. Uh, but I guess my question is, um, I, I my question is, how are you going to enforce this? <laughs> well, if he's watching film in the facility, um, you know they'll be able to track it, 
And um, I know what, one of the clauses in there said that he can't be on his phone or playing video games while the film is on. Um, I think I think it's independent study too. So outside of the facility. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they'll let him do it at the facility, you know, after hours. I think they're just trying to make him more of a, you know, first guy and last guy out sort of player. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I think it could have just been tossed in there by the NFL to uh, distract people from the fact that Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed bigger contract and Kyler Murray is getting a, you know, 65% guaranteed smaller contract. Uh, and one of them is out criminal and the other one is so. I think I think, it, I think if Kyler watched more film, he would have he would have gotten a <laughs> contract. Uh, moving on, uh, Devin Slingletary, who we mentioned, uh, he's easily leading the team for first team reps. I think this was pretty expected. Uh, James Cook, he's a rookie, he's coming in, he's going to learn. But even so, you would expect him to get at least a little bit of the first team reps. He's not he's not even getting a lot of the second team reps. Uh, Devin Singletary is kind of taking those too. So. I think this is just the Devin Singletary hype train. He's in a contract year. He was the RB2 over the final four games of the fantasy season. He was great in the playoffs for the cheat for, for the Bills. Uh, and I, I'm excited to draft Devin Singletary in the eighth round and then see Zach Moss lead the backfield. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, James Cook's primary role was always supposed to be on third down, uh, doing the pass-catching stuff that Devin Singletary is not super good at. Um, and, you know, it seems like a lot of these rookies have a tough time with pass protection. So if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably just that. Um, and, you know, as he gets better at pass protection throughout camp, maybe he'll start working in on third downs. Um, but for now, certainly good news for Devin Singletary. Um, and if he's the, you know, three down back in Buffalo, um, you know, he should be going in the fourth round. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, potential value on Singletary right now, for sure. Yeah. James Robinson is a, is a beast. I love him so much. He is not on the pop. He's aiming to be cleared by middle of August. And he has just come out of nowhere and suplexed Travis Etienne's value. I, I love it. Uh, James Robinson is the guy that people keep continuously doubting. He was an undrafted free agent. Uh, he forced Leonard Fournette off the team because he was so good. Uh, he was only perhaps the greatest undrafted rookie running back ever. He, he had a, he had an all-time season as an undrafted rookie running back. Second year, uh, Urban Meyer does Urban Meyer stuff. He drafts Travis Etienne in the first round. Uh, Travis Etienne gets hurt. Uh, Urban Meyer does not want to play James Robinson. He plays Carlos Hyde because he's loyal to Ohio State guys. Even though James Robinson is at least 10 times better than Carlos Hyde, doesn't matter. James Robinson still dominates. Hurts his Achilles late in the season. But now he's back. And I could not be more excited. Yeah, it's like impossible what these guys are doing, you know, kind of crazy that this uh, it takes guys three months to recover from a high ankle sprain. And now, you know, these guys are coming back from Achilles in, in five months and seven months between Robinson and Akers, respectively. So just absolutely nuts. Uh, hopefully he is, uh, you know, back and better than ever, or as good as ever. Um, yeah. But 
you know, at his current ADP, um, there's definitely upside if he is uh, the guy that we saw the last couple of years. That's for certain. Yeah. One concern, Cam Akers came back, he looked really bad. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, people have said that nobody has ever looked good coming back from um, the Achilles injury. Uh, We're going to see it this year with Akers, Marlon Mack, and James Robinson. So uh will be very, very interesting to see. Yeah. You know, pretty big sample size there. Like in the NBA, you know, Kevin Durant came back, um, but DeMarcus Cousins didn't come back. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Very, yeah. very exciting for the medical Fired community the and the fantasy anyone. community. Fire the bet on anyone here, James Robinson. Uh, more, more news uh, real quick. Uh, Chris Carson retired uh, due to the neck injury he sustained last season. Uh, it's good for him that he prioritized his health. The team did him right. Uh, they allowed him to collect health benefits by releasing him because he was physically unable to perform. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire also physically unable to perform, not retired. He, he might be out of the league though, if this keeps up. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the pup to start training camp. This is concerning. Uh, we mentioned last episode in the running back episode that. You don't bring in Ronald Jones. You don't re-sign Jarek McKinnon. You don't do all this stuff and then suddenly hand Clyde Edwards Hiller the job, right? Like Clyde has been disappointing and this could be the make or break point. If Clyde loses steam, loses ground and potentially loses his job between training camp and the start of the season, then it's... I don't know where we see him in a year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, Jarek McKinnon is um, widely known as an elite practice player. Um, so, you know, giving Jarek McKinnon any extra time in practice to show off how fast he is is uh, not a good idea for Clyde. And Ronald Jones, you know, his biggest flaw has always been pass catching. In theory, that seems like something that you could work on, you know, if you're a backup for a year and then you have a whole offseason on a new team trying to get some money. Um, so if these guys, you know, show up and perform, Clyde could definitely uh, fall or tumble down the depth chart. Um, but I'm not going to be concerned until we find out what exactly the injury is. You know, if it's just a headache and he comes off the puck tomorrow, then uh, you know, he's totally fine. And he'll be back yep. to being an uninspired dead zone running back pick. I'm going to lose his job to Ronald Jones. Uh, just a real quick before we get into the wide receiver episode, John Mechie has a cute Comyolacidic leukemia. Uh, it's a very treatable form of cancer, but still terrible news. Wish him well. And with that, let's get right into the wide receivers. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. What a transition to make. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. I think I think this episode is going to get a little contentious, given that after the first few wide receivers here, our rankings on these guys are really different. And some of these are really close. Um, Now, like with the running backs, we'll analyze them in groups of five. Towards the end, we'll group them in 10, save time, also because they're less likely to be fantasy relevant. But a wide receiver to me for a fantasy position, there's always going to be guys who can produce. So even if you don't hit on every wide receiver, I think the goal is to draft as many as you can. Between that and running back, you should maybe have a couple more wide receivers here. And then if 50% of your wide receivers hit, give you at least 
10 to 12 points per game, I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the leagues are one with guys that have upside um, and getting upside from the receiver position is definitely a viable strategy. It might be easier to do in the later rounds than it is for uh, for running back. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how you and I kind of balance uh, some of the safer guys versus some of the upside guys, especially in the later rounds here. Yeah. I would say... Now, I would say, though, wide receiver definitely has the most leeway of the positions, just because there's so many. Right. There are a lot of them. I mean, it's hard to have, you know, bad. It's easy to have bad running backs. It's hard to have bad wide receivers. But uh, it's important to have good wide receivers, uh, just like it's important to have good running backs. So, yes, we will see. With that, getting into our rankings, we're going to be doing PPR like last time first group of wide receivers were the top five were they the top five last year i believe they were so maybe tyree kill might have snuck in uh i i do think this was a top five um number one the person who led the league in wide receiver yards last year wide receiver receptions and i believe he might have gotten touchdowns he might have gotten the triple crown uh cooper cup followed up by Devontae Adams on the Raiders, Justin Jefferson on the Vikings, Stephon Diggs of the Bills, and then Jamar Chase of the Bengals. All of these guys have wide receiver number one overall upside. Uh, but of this group, I don't think we need to explain much why they're where they are, right? Like, well, Jake, I was curious. Um, I feel like – so my rankings, just for reference, are Cup, Jefferson, Diggs, Adams – Chase. Uh, I think that's a relatively standard set of rankings. Some people might have Adams and Chase swapped. Some people might have like Diggs and Chase swapped. Um, but you have a very unusual ordering here with Devonte Adams number one. Why number one in the new offense with Derek Carr? Tell me about it. Well, yeah, and I was going to ask in a minute, like of these guys, who is the most likely to be the wide receiver one? For me, it's Devonte Adams. And the reason why is simple. He's the best wide receiver in the league. Um, even with the team switch, it's not as if Devontae Adams is going to a bad quarterback. Uh, he's going to Derek Carr, who's an above-average quarterback. Derek Carr is his college quarterback. So they already have a rapport. I believe he's going to inherit quite a lot of targets in the Raiders' offense as – People may not be aware last year when Hunter Renfro was on his ridiculous pace, finishing within the top 12, he got pretty much all of the targets last year. Now, I don't think the distribution is going to be like that, but Devontae Adams is clearly much better than Hunter Renfro. So a lot of Hunter's targets are going to go to Devontae Adams. And then you have Darren Waller coming back from injury, who's also very good who I think is also getting a little lot of targets. But Devontae Adams can be utilized a little bit more in a pure passing sense than Darren Waller. And Devontae Adams can stretch the field. He can, he can do everything. Whereas Waller, you can utilize him as a blocker, as a person to kind of stress the defense, stretch it down the middle of the field. So I think they're going to utilize those two like that. And then I think they're going to put Hunter Renfro more in the slot. So 
with that, I do think Derek Carr is going to primarily be targeting those three guys, but Hunter Renfro to me is a distinct third. And something else people might be thinking is, well, okay, but you still have Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. How are they going to split the targets? To me, that doesn't really matter because in his third year, Derek Carr has proven that he can support two top 12 fantasy options. Uh, Amari Cooper, the one year he was a wide receiver one, and then Michael Crabtree. So it's the location, while, yeah, he might not get peppered with the amount of targets, that Aaron Rodgers gave him, I think they'll still be high quality targets. There's more pieces in that offense to take the stress off Devontae Adams. He doesn't need to do absolutely everything. And then he has a report there, card. So I, I think there is a real shot that he is the wide receiver one overall. But if I had to pick a guy who could probably beat him, it's Cooper Cup and then my number three wide receiver, who we're going to get into uh, in a few minutes here it's a little <laughs> bit of a contentious subject but i'm going to stick with my guns on this one i i have a full thesis prepared for this guy but we're, we're gonna get to him in a little bit because you don't have him ranked nearly as highly but back <laughs> to that i think Devonte adams it, he he can he can still be the wide receiver one and then obviously cooper cup is not going to get 2,000 yards, 150 catches, uh, some absurd stat line again. Uh, he's missing some regression. The Rams made an effort to add pieces around Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. They're getting Cam Akers back. They'll focus more on the run. So I think between the Cooper Cup regression and the fact that Devontae Adams is still going to a really good situation, the quarterback he has a report to, for, he's called a Hall of Famer on the record. Uh, everything like that, I think he could be the wide receiver one. Now, before we get into the next group, of these wide receivers, who do you think can be the wide receiver one overall, aside from Cooper Cop, Devontae Adams here? Yeah, I think anyone in the top, my top six guys, uh, has potential to finish as the number one overall. Um, but Justin Jefferson, we haven't talked about a lot on this episode yet. Uh you know, ridiculous upside from a yards per catch standpoint. He's probably the best of the high volume receivers in the National Football League. Uh, nobody questions the talent, and he's going into a new offense that is supposed to pass much more than the old offense did. So, you know, he has a nice set of competition with Thielen and Osborne, two guys that are like just barely good enough to take some pressure off him, but not good enough to take any targets away from him. Um, and he's going to get a whole bunch of more passing. Uh, he has very solid quarterback play with a quarterback who doesn't run. So that leads to even more uh, receptions for Justin Jefferson. So definitely expecting big things from him. I think he could easily finish as the wide receiver one. Uh, but I put him at number two, Cooper Cup number one, because Cooper Cup was that much better last year. And I don't see that much changing for him. Yeah. A real quick note about Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's been really disrespected, I think, because no one talks about him. Uh, he's Josh Allen's number one target. He had a down year, but he was still a top five wide receiver. And he is perhaps the best technical route runner in the league, maybe behind Devontae Adams. 
Uh, he's physically more gifted than Devontae Adams. Uh, and he's just good. He's good on a good offense. Don't sleep on Stefan Diggs here. With that next group of wide receivers here, CD Lamb as wide receiver six. I think you're carrying this ranking a little bit here. You have him at six. I have him at 10. CD's been a little bit contentious between us just because I I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you think CD's going to get way more of the targets in the Cowboys offense than I do. And I think the Cowboys offense is not going to be as efficient as maybe people think. Mike Evans, wide receiver number seven. He's the wide receiver one for Tom Brady. Harry Kill is wide receiver eight. We're, we'll talk about him and this next these next couple wide receivers in a minute. A.J. Brown, wide receiver nine for the Philadelphia Eagles. And D.J. Moore, wide receiver 10 for the Panthers. D.J. Moore is interesting here because he has, by most metrics, been placed at around the wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 20 range. I have him as the wide receiver 14. You have him in your top 10. E.G. Brown, I have in my top 10. Tyree Kill, I have in my top 10. You do not. So of these three wide receivers, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, who is the likeliest to break into the top 10 here? For me, it's A.J. Brown. I think physically he's just too good. I think the Eagles offense will be just really good this year, really efficient. I'm looking forward seeing Hertz, who by all means is a film junkie, who loves football, lives, breathes, eats football. I'm interested to see how he improves. He improves his pocket presence more. And if he does, I think he's in for a career year. And I think that means A.J. Brown is in for a career year as well. But back to the question hand. Of these wide receivers, who do you think is the most likely to break into this top 10? Um, Of this group, I mean, I think you just have to give uh, the respect to Tyreek Hill here. Uh, he's been in the top 10 every year for the last three years, I believe, at this point. And, you know, he's obviously switching teams. New scheme will be totally different. Um, but you don't trade for Tyreek Hill if you're not going to use him and feature him as your wide receiver one. And, you know, Tua might not be great, but I think he's certainly good enough to produce a top 10 receiver with the level of talent that Tyreek Hill has. Um, it's really not that hard to do that. Um, and I just think there's, even with Tua and a new coach and a new team, there is less uncertainty um, surrounding him than A.J. Brown, who is going to a very run-heavy team with a quarterback with a history of accuracy issues, a whole bunch of competition, um, and you know, pretty solid defense to boot. It should you know, be able to limit the passing work necessary for the Eagles this year. So I uh, definitely prefer Tyreek Hill and even D.J. Moore. You know, the Panthers' defense is just fine. Uh, best quarterback he's ever had, basically always right around the top 10. Um, you know, not a lot of competition, but enough guys that can take some attention away. And now he gets Christian McCaffrey back to keep those linebackers, uh, you know, down towards the backfield, let him run over the middle of the field. Um, very excited about him. AJ Brown's definitely my my least favorite of the three. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that you got him all the way up to seven because uh, I thought I was pretty high on him at 16, if we're being perfectly honest. AJ Brown's definitely contentious here. And I think part of that is the fact that the Eagles run a lot and they ran a lot last year. I don't expect that trend to continue 
They were the most run-heavy offense in the NFL. But if you saw the first seven games of the Philadelphia Eagles, first off, good for you. I cannot believe you stomached that. But jokes aside, they passed a lot. Jalen Hurts was on pace for 600-plus attempts on the season, which is really good. And then they started running a lot when they realized they didn't have the personnel to keep up in the passing game. But with the addition of A.J. Brown, I think the Eagles look at their personnel and say, now we can compete in the passing game and the running game. I think they'll throw a little bit more. And I think guys like Greg Ward that we've seen. Uh, who are some other guys on the Eagles? Uh, some of our wide receivers are so bad, I just cannot remember their names. Uh, Jalen Rager. You're not going to give these guys 70-something targets. Now, all those are going to go to A.J. Brown. I think the Eagles are going to be a little bit like the Raiders here, where they're going to have like three targets, get all of the passing volume, and nobody else. Maybe Quez Watkins gets a little bit. He was all right. But for the most part, the Eagles wide receivers are really, really bad outside of Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. But Dallas Goddard was stuck behind Zach Ertz for half the year, and they also had to utilize him a lot in blocking for the run game. So I think this addition of A.J. Brown is going to really free up the Eagles offense, and I think everyone's going to benefit in Philadelphia. So I've ranked him accordingly. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, he's a he's for PPR. You know, he's not exactly the type of receiver that usually benefits from the scoring system. Um, so, but, you know, the Eagles definitely have a lot of variance in how they uh, use that offense this year, considering, you know, what worked for them last year versus what Sirianni prefers. So definite, definite possibility that variance allows AJ Brown to, you know, stay higher up in the top 10. He's certainly a top yeah. 10 talent. I think I also gave A.J. Brown a lot of touchdowns. Uh, let me check on that real quick before we move into the top 15 here because the top 15 is going to be by far the most contentious part of this episode. <laughs> uh, I gave A.J. Brown eight touchdowns and 93 receptions. So I pretty much have exclusively removed Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, uh Sack Pascal, I don't have getting a lot of targets here. I, I primarily give Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown all the targets in the Eagles offense. Uh, uh, nobody else really gets above 45, except for Dallas Goddard. So, with that, here we go. Wide receiver 11 is Keenan Allen in our rankings. And I think Keenan Allen, he's going to be a wide receiver one. I don't think you can disagree with that, right? Yeah, some people think that he's getting a little long in the tooth, but I think he has one more year with Justin Herbert at least where, you know, he's an elite PPR machine like he always has been. Yeah, I think so too. A lot of people are high on Mike Williams. Mike Williams is going in the fourth round. Keenan Allen's going in the third. I'd rather have Keenan Allen, who I know is going to get 100-something targets, than Mike Williams, who needs a really big breakaway chunk plays and is not going to get peppered like Keenan Allen is. But number 12 is my wide receiver three and your wide <laughs> receiver 26. This guy is in my top three. I am saying that now and I am staking my claim that Amin Rossi Brown will be a top 
three fantasy football wide receivers. <laughs> before you laugh at me, I have a question for you, Brennan. Yes. We'll be back six to seven games of the fantasy football season last year. Can right. you name the top five wide receivers for <laughs> fantasy football? I bet you Amon Ross St. Brown was one of them. I He was. <laughs> Do you want to know where he was? Where was he? He was number two. <laughs> right behind Cooper Cup. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Now, you, think, you think he's going to stay there? I do. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Amin Ra had a 33% target share in the final six games. Yeah, I don't think high. that's going to happen. But at the same time, beforehand, Amin Ra had 16% of the targets. I also don't think that's going to happen. I think that's going to even out at around okay. 25%. I do not think that's unreasonable. Before the Lions started throwing the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, they didn't win once. <laughs> after they started after they started throwing the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, the Lions went three and three. It's true. Amon Ross made the Lions a 500 team. Do you know how hard that is? It's very uh, hard. Matthew Stafford couldn't even do it. No, he couldn't. Matthew Stafford is amazing. Uh over the final six weeks, Amon Ra had 51 receptions, 560 yards, and five touchdowns. Over 10 yards per reception, about a touchdown a game. He also had a rushing as well. They utilized him in the rushing game. 61 rushing yards and a touchdown. He had 24.8, 15.3, 23.5, 26, 35.4, 26.1. Absurd weeks. Now, he's not going to do that every week. But you could see where if getting above a 16% target share, Amin Ra flashed a lot. From weeks sure. 4 to 6, he got 22% of the targets. He got 13.5, 13.5, 9 9.6. Very respectable numbers. And the Lions were in a position where they weren't going to win a game. And they thought to themselves, why don't we just throw the ball to Amin Ra and see what happens? And they went 3-3 three and three since then. Amin Ra had that ridiculous stats line, and he's been one of the most polarizing players in the NFL since. Amin Ra, to me, given the fact that his wide receiver, me, is not going to be starting the season, he tore his ACL in college. And no matter how talented he is, you can't just heal your ACL and be ready to go right away in your rookie season in the NFL. Not going to happen. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is going to come back. He's going to take some of the targets. Uh, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds. I don't think they're going to be much of a factor here. DeAndre Swift is going to get targeted. But Amon Ra, I think showed enough last year where he can get a 25% target share. Uh, I think he can get over 100 receptions in this offense. And he was flat out good. The Lions used him on every play in every which way. He was used as an X. He was used as a Z. He was used as a slot. And I know it's hard to do, but watch the Detroit Lions play football. And you will see Amin Ra just 
torching defenses. He torched Minnesota, who had a pretty good defense. Torched Arizona. Torched Green Bay. Destroyed Seattle. Like, the list goes on and on. Amin Ra last year proved he belonged. He finished as the wide receiver, too, when the Lions threw the ball to him more than 16% of the time. And Jared Goff has a history with these types of wide receivers. In fact, the last type of wide receiver Jared Goff had, that was like Amin Rossi Brown, is number one on our list. It was the only wide receiver <laughs> to beat out Amin Rossi Brown last year when he got the ball. So do I reasonably think that Amin Ra will beat out like Cooper Cup Devontae Adams? No. What this ranking to me is, though, is Amin Ra was wide receiver two, the back half of last season. He did it over an extended period of time. He proved just how talented he was. And to me, it seems a little bit like rookie Antonio Brown in the sense that he was so (laughs) good and people didn't believe it. All right, you laugh, but we'll get get into some of the wide receivers that you have ranked a little later here. A little later. Uh, I guess I'll just – I'll say my piece here so our our listeners don't go drafting Alan Ra in the first round. No, don't Uh, draft Alan Ra in the first round. (laughs) I'm not saying to do that. But I am saying he he has a real shot to crack the top five here. And I have – I think we can – we can add Alan Rod top 10 to the uh, bets list for the year. I'll take no uh, top 10. I change that to Alan Rod top three. No, no, it's okay. I'll give you a top 10. No, I'll take three. I'll, I'll stick by my ranking here. No, I, no, I, I do okay. think Alan you know, Rod is. That's, I do uh, think Alan Rod of all these wide receivers has the potential to be top three. I do. Uh, now, I'm ranking do... him at the absolute peak of Amon Rod, but I think peak Amon Rod is here to stay. We can um, we can do him versus uh, our wide receiver fourteen, my wide receiver seven. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, you can add that to the bets list too. But the right. the main that concern with with Amon Ross St. Brown for me is, and you mentioned it in your your list of points for him, the yards per catch is was just ten point one last season. So we had ninety catches for nine hundred and twelve yards, and. You know, the most catches that anybody gets these days is like 125. And those players have, you know, 30, 35% target share, which I don't think Amon Ra, you know, will reasonably get with Hawkinson and Swift and Shark all uh, playing with him. Um, so, you know, I gave him the same 90 catches that he had last year. And I said, he'd get a little bit more efficient and get around a thousand yards. But at 10 yards a catch, you know, it's just not possible for him to get the yards that he needs to finish in the top three, uh, in my opinion, you know, unless he gets way more efficient, which I don't see happening with Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, the touchdowns in the Lions offense are always going to be a little limited. And this year I expect them to be better, but I expect a lot of rushing touchdowns with that incredibly high quality offensive line they put together. Um, so maybe less passing volume overall. The Lions is also something that I would forecast. You know, there are definitely some red flags in Amadar's profile. Obviously, he's very talented. Obviously, he was amazing last year. Um, and that's why, you know, somebody like Jake can have him projected for a pretty high ceiling. Uh, but you still should, shouldn't be drafting him 
you know, until much, much closer to his ADP, which is what, Jake, the fifth round, the sixth round? Amin Ra's ADP is the sixth round. I think that is way too low, but I will also play the ADP game and draft him in the fifth round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely a fun player, but I, I, I we can talk about my guy. I, yeah, so my, my probably biggest deviation from ADP among the top guys is that I think that Michael Pittman is the wide receiver seven overall. Jake, you have that wide receiver 24, which drags his uh, aggregate ranking between our two systems down to wide receiver 14. Um, and for me, with Michael Pittman, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, Matt Harmon, who does the amazing work at Perception Perception, has graded out Michael Pittman as one of the best outrunners in the NFL. And you might be thinking, wow, that's crazy that he's doing that. He's He must be like a small slot guy. That's not true. Michael Pittman is a massive big body receiver who's running incredibly crisp routes and is grading out among the top five players in reception perception beating man coverage and beating zone coverage and he was doing that with Carson Wentz last year and that performance with Carson Wentz produced a wide receiver one season and now he's getting what I think is a huge wide or quarterback upgrade with a quarterback who's known to highlight a single receiver in Matt Ryan, and the Colts neglected to make any significant changes to the wide receiver room, adding just a second-round rookie, uh, losing T.Y. Hilton, and getting you know the return of Paris Campbell, uh, the most injury-prone player in the NFL potentially. So Michael Pittman has absolutely everything going for him. Uh, you know, with teams focusing on Jonathan Taylor in the run game, I expect Michael Pittman to destroy with all Matt Ryan's play-action passes. Um, and I think, you know, Michael Pittman could easily put up a Julio Jones-esque season with, you know, maybe a few fewer yards because he's not quite that explosive, but many more touchdowns because he has shown that he is able to do that. I have him my wide receiver seven. I love him. I draft him everywhere I can. He's ADP right now. He's wide receiver 15. Um, what do I see? That 47th overall, so you can pick him up in the fourth. Uh, I have no problem at all taking him in the third. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to circle back to Amon Ra. Uh, I gave Amon Ra about a 25.7% target share. So I don't think that's unreasonable. Anyways, back to Michael Pittman. Uh, you're making an interesting point here. And you're kind of making the absolute best case scenario argument like I did with Amon Ra. Now, uh, is that in Michael Pittman's range of outcomes? Like top three is for Amon Ra's. Yeah, I do think so. I think any of our top 20 to 25 wide receivers here have top five potential if things break right. Uh, but you'd mentioned one very big name beforehand. His name is Jonathan Taylor, and the Colts offense runs through him. Now, in the passing game, Carson Wentz almost exclusively targeted Michael Pittman, but Carson Wentz also has a history I'm targeting one guy. Primarily, his name was Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. And then it was Michael Pittman in Indianapolis. But uh, it, Jonathan Taylor is not my only concern. The same rationale that you gave for Matt Ryan being an upgrade, I can say is also a downgrade. Because Matt Ryan, if he gets pressured, he's not going to do what Carson Wentz does. 
He's not going to scramble. He's not going to look for the big play. He's not going to huck one up to Michael Pittman in triple coverage and expect him to catch it. Matt Ryan's going to dump the ball off. He doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be slammed to the ground by a 300-pound-plus man. Matt Ryan's <laughs> in his late 30s. That's practically ancient for quarterbacks. But with that being said, I, I do think Matt Ryan's going to check off to the running back more. I do think Michael Pittman's amount of targets may decrease. But at the same time, I can see the argument where the quality of the targets will increase. So there definitely is room here for Michael Pittman to finish top 10, top five, maybe even top three if things break right, like Amon Ra has that potential as well. And for these contentious guys that we're ranking, obviously Brandon and I are a little bit polarized here. And I think that is kind of baked into the ADP. Because we had mentioned before, Michael Pittman had a career year. Carson Wentz was not super efficient. Amon Ra was wide receiver two the back half of the fantasy season. He was getting peppered with targets, though. That's like, There are factors that make these guys from rounds three to seven in the wide receiver market highly appealing and highly concerned. But I can definitely see where Michael Pittman hits that top 10. And in fact, to your credit, it was your suggestion on Michael Pittman that steered me towards making a trade for Michael Pittman in our Dynasty League. Yeah, you made a great trade. I'm trying to steal him from you. You're not talking him up too easily. I am not. And my wide receivers in Dynasty are kind of making that. So uh, before we get into the rest of the rankings, between these two, we have Debo Samuel. Let's talk about him for a second. Debo was the 49ers goal line back that was designated as a wide receiver fantasy football. I don't know why they did that. Uh, but in all seriousness, Debo Samuel had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Every year of Debo Samuel's career, except for, I think, one, he has had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns. Um, why are we lower on Debo, a guy who most people are placing in their top five to ten and are dropping in the second round, Brandon? Yeah, I'm seeing Debo. I'm looking for him on this ADP list. Yeah, wide receiver six, ADP, 17th overall. Um, for me, you know, I think Debo's expressed this offseason that he doesn't really want that same running back role that he's had in the past. And I think that uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to give him what he wants. So he'll be more wide receiver. I expect his carry total to be the lowest it's been in his entire career. Um, you know, and he'll get more passing work, but while he's an amazing wide receiver, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, part of what made him such a great fantasy asset is the combination of rushing and receiving. Um, so now I think a lot of that rushing work is going to go to Elijah Mitchell and Tyrion Davis-Price, assuming they stay healthy, uh, which will allow Debo Samuel to, you know, be a regular wide receiver, which will allow him to get the big wide receiver contract that he wants at the end of the year instead of, uh, you know, a half wide receiver, half running back contract that they were probably offering him, uh, which would obviously be for less money because running backs just don't get paid what wide receivers do these days. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I've made my thoughts about Debo Samuel known. I don't think they're going to keep using him like a running back. And I don't think that's doing right by Debo, but also right by the team. 
for for all we know, Debo could be the 49ers leading rusher this year. They've had a different leading rusher every single year. Might be Debo's turn this year, and he might end up being a top five wide receiver. But if it were me, I'd rather take the shot on Amon Ra, on Michael Pittman, on a couple of these later guys, than burn a premium pick on Debo Samuel, who I'm almost certain will not see the rushing work that complemented his receiving work last year. Yeah, when De- when Debo's going in the second round too, you're just giving up on um, uh, you know the amazing group of second round running backs that's available this year. So, wow, uh, you know it's hard for me to ever take Debo, you know, when you can take Aaron Jones or Saquon Barkley right around the same spot. Yeah, Zeke um, even in round three, I think. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, looking at our other guys here, we have. Um, Let's see, Michael Pittman, 14, Deontay Johnson, 15. Um, beginning our next group of five, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, Jerry Judy. A lot of guys in this group, uh, the industry is pretty split on. You know, you hear a lot of uh, Jerry Judy versus Putin Sutton debates. You hear a lot of Jalen Waddle versus Terry Hill, a lot of Devonta Smith versus AJ Brown. Um, but we have all three of these guys, you know, pretty high, pretty close to uh, are definitely above their their current ADPs. Jake, you have Jalen Waddle 15. Why do you like him so much? Uh, because I think he's just going to keep getting so many targets. Uh, I, I mean, Tua and him have such a rapport. Uh, they've literally been teammates since college. Uh, the Dolphins specifically drafted Jalen Waddle to, to be there for Tua. Uh, and Jalen and Tyreek Hill are pretty similar wide receivers. So I think Tyreek is going to take some of Jalen's targets here, but I still have Jalen, I believe, leading the team. Uh, Let me check on that real quick and confirm that. Yes, I do have Jalen leading the team in targets. I have Tyreek being a little bit more efficient. But, I mean, the Dolphins are clearly going for, we have two premium wide receivers that we're just going to pepper here and one team each year has two top 20 wide receivers i actually have two teams doing that this year i have seattle doing that and i i do have seattle doing that and i have the dolphins doing that and i think for seattle it's going to be more a case of necessity but for the dolphins i just think these guys are too talented uh i and you mentioned something, the industry split on all these wide receivers. You even saw it when we got to number 12, we were split. We've been mostly seven plus rankings apart on all of these guys here. Uh, something interesting I see here. So wide receiver 21 getting a little bit ahead, Cortland Sutton. Uh, so we have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton right next to each other, but you are relatively low on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. You have them below wide receiver 24 both so before we get into really the last guy i want to talk about here before we kind of just list out the rest of these guys maybe we'll talk about one or two more of them uh, why are you so low on denver's wide receivers brandon yeah there's a ton of competition for targets in denver um and i don't think that russell wilson um is like necessarily the kind of quarterback where you have to put his two top receivers in the top 20. Uh, he had that with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who I think are both considerably better than Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. 
but you know what is not true uh, about the situation in Denver is that like it was or as opposed to what it was like in Seattle. Uh, in Seattle, there was kind of just like you know David Moore as the third receiver. Um, but Denver has Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler, both you know guys who should definitely be productive. Some of them, KJ will take some of that deep work away from both of these guys. Tim Patrick will take some of the over the middle of the field work away from both of these guys. But I also expect the running game to be quite good. And now that there is, and now there's also a tight end battle in Denver between Alberto and the rookie from Wake Forest. So. Uh, you know, kind of just a ton of mats to feed over there. New offense, still expect a good amount of running. And when we saw some of the let Russ Cook stuff uh, go on in Seattle, you know, there were a lot of interceptions. Um, and while that might not necessarily be as bad as it was back then, um, I still suspect that, you know, both like one of these guys will probably end up in the top 20, but I'm more confident than 50-50 about a lot of the other guys that I have in the top 20. So I'd much rather take somebody like Deontay Johnson or Terry McLaurin or, uh, you know, my wide receiver eight, your wide receiver 43, our overall wide receiver 22, Rashad Bateman, who is very, very obviously his team's wide receiver one. Uh, I like yeah, him more than Please explain Rashad Bateman to me. He seems to me, to you, what Amon Ra is to me and real quick before you do i just want to correct myself i have three wide receiver groups within the top 20 i also have the philadelphia eagles i'm very high on their passing game i've made that known but Rashad beat means you're arm and raw um I, I don't really see the path to a top five top 10 finish for rashad but you clearly do so i'm gonna let you go ahead and explain that one real quick before we kind of round out this episode with the rest of our wide receivers. Yeah, I think um so three guys, uh CD Lamb, DJ Moore, and Rashad Bateman. I think those three guys are the most likely to get 30% of their team's targets of any of the wide receivers on this list. Uh Rashad Bateman you can get for the cheapest price of those three guys by far. And I think that 30% of the targets from Lamar Jackson is enough to make a super talented receiver like Rashad Bateman become a very valuable fantasy asset. We saw it last year with Marquise Brown. You know, Marquise Brown dropped several big touchdowns um, and still finished with over a thousand yards with a whole bunch of touchdowns as a very productive receiver for Baltimore. Um, and I think Rashad Bateman, you know, will be able to step into that Marquise Brown role, but do so with better hands and more overall talent. Um, and, you know, it's with just him and Mark Andrews receiving the overwhelming majority of the targets in that offense, I think that, uh, you know, maybe his ceiling is not as high as some of the other guys because of the offense that he's in. But the floor is so high because the worst case scenario for Rashad Bateman, in my opinion, is like 23, 24% of his team's targets. Brandon, real quick, uh, what I have it pulled up here on Sleeper. What was Marquise's Brown finish? What was his finish? Uh, he had over a thousand yards. No, like wide receiver ranking for fantasy. Where do you think he finished? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he he also was was in and out of the, the season health wise. So I'm not going to to go off that entirely. But yeah, probably in like the teens. Uh, twenty two. 
I do yeah. appreciate you were not going to fall for that, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Marquise Brown was only out for the Chicago game, but you, there was a marketed drop in his efficiency when Lamar went out. Uh, hey. Yeah, I mean, if Mark, if if he gets thirty three percent of the targets, I can clearly see that path. I don't think he's going to do that. I I just don't, and even if they do, I don't think the Ravens throw the ball that much. So, but. Clearly, you like Rashad Bateman. Uh, he's kind of going in a similar area that Amon Ra is. Uh, like that five to seven area that, that these wide receivers are going on. And as you can tell, we're very polarized on these wide receivers. A lot of people are polarized on these wide receivers. And they could be league winners here. So pay attention as it goes on, the trends in training camp, what guys are doing what. And who knows? Uh, maybe someone emerges. Uh, next up, wide receiver 23, Chris Olave. He's both our top rookie wide receiver. Uh, real quick on him, I, I think New Orleans is, is setting him up for a really big season. I have him at wide receiver 30 tail. Uh, he might get off to a slow start, but I expect him to be really, really good by the end, and he's a guy you want to hold on to. Absolutely. That's, uh, you know, he has some competition there in New Orleans, but that offensive line's a little worse. I expect them to be much more pass heavy than usual. That Sean Payton with Jameis Winston getting more comfortable in that system. Um, so I, I expect big things from Chris Olave for sure. We have Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper. All of these guys are interesting. Marquise and Amari on new teams. Mike Williams obviously got that huge extension. Next up, we have my wide receiver 12. Uh, your wide receiver 45. Uh, you're not super high on the Seattle offense, but I think DJ Metcalf as our wide as our consensus 27. I think he definitely has a path to wide receiver one, and that is what the Seahawks did when Russell Wilson was hurt, and that is exclusively target DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. No offense is there, uh, but I don't believe. He's going to eat enough in the DK and Tyler Lockett's targets to really matter. I think this is going to be one of those situations where we can see DK, we can see Tyler commanding 25 plus percent. Maybe one of them gets up to 30. So, and, and aside from that, DK Metcalf is just a physical specimen. So I, I'm not going to doubt DK. I, I do think he has that path, but again, very contentious. Yeah, I don't really want any part of that Seattle offense. I think they're they're pretty clearly the worst offense in the NFL at this point. Um, and I think the difference between Drew Locke and Russell Wilson is just going to be so staggering that, um, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are very frustrating to own. Tyler Lockett was already kind of boom and bust with Russell Wilson. I expect that to just get even worse. And DK Tyler Metcalf, Lockett was always boom and bust. Right, right. So it'll only get worse without uh, Russell Wilson, who is, you know, obviously good. And Tyler Lockett, or DK Metcalf, uh, you know, big body, which is good for Drew Locke, who's not very accurate. But I just expect that the touchdown total to go way down for DK Metcalf because he's on Seattle. Um, they're not going to be scoring too many touchdowns this year. I think they'll be running the ball among the highest in the NFL, probably top three, and they'll be scoring the fewest touchdowns. So... Would just would rather take my shot to my receiver elsewhere. Right. Then 
Through DK, we have Tyler Lockett, 28. Obviously, contentious T. Higgins, wide receiver, 29. He could have something on the Bengals offense. I do have the Bengals taking a step back. But my wide receiver rankings from like 20 to 50 are not separated by more than a point or two per game. So really, I they're very fluid for me. And I view a lot of these wide receivers very similarly. Uh, as in, I can just pick up any one of them and I'll be okay plugging them into my roster and at least a flex role. Darnell uh, Mooney, wide receiver 30, our consensus. Uh, really, he's going to only be the target of the Bears. I suppose you can make a similar argument for Mooney that you could for Bateman as well. Yep, yep, definitely could make a similar argument. Um, I think I be- just believe in the talent a little more for Bateman, um, so that's why I have him a little higher. Um, but I do like that Mooney, you know, should be receiving a big chunk of his his team's targets. Um, I just have always viewed him as more of like a deep threat sort of receiver who like in his ideal, you know, actual football role is probably the team's wide receiver too. Whereas with Bateman, I, I see him as, you know, kind of like a do-it-all Devontae Adams type uh, where he can be the team's wide receiver. Or he should be the team's wide receiver one. Yeah. Adam Thielen, wide receiver 31. He's like the only guy on the list at this point that we're not we're we're pretty close on. We both have him in around this range. So that's interesting to see. I'm I'm sorry, real quick. Christian Kirk is your wide receiver 15. He's our consensus wide receiver 32. Um, I guess well, you explain Christian Kirk. I'll explain the next guy. We have Robert Woods because he's in my top 20. Uh, real quick, why why is Christian Kirk in your top 15? Just follow the money, Jake. Christian Kirk's being paid like a top 15 receiver. Um, I expect him to be used like a top 15 receiver. Um, and I be- have always believed in Christian Kirk's talent. He's an incredibly fast guy. He's a super good route runner. He's going to get, you know, his pick of where he wants to play, which I suspect will be in the slot a lot of the time. Um, and I, I, I've i heard good things about Trevor Lawrence in camp. Um, you know, expect a pretty big step forward from him. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm not sure if it will happen. Um, but Christian Kirk, you know, both of five wide receiver one on his team, like just the right level of target competition where there are other guys that the defense pays attention to, but not guys that are as good as him, uh, which I really like. And that defense is still pretty bad, so they should be passing a lot. Uh, so a lot of things are lining up nicely for Christian Kirk, a guy who, I, who I've always liked, uh, and I expect a career year for sure. Definitely an interesting take. I think the Jaguars are going to be like the Packers light where they're just going to only have two running backs and like the rest offensive linemen and tight ends. I think they're going to run the ball like 80% of the time here. Uh, but seriously, they have no reason not to, except for the fact that they gave Christian Kirk a giant uh, cartoonish bag of money. Uh, but Look, if Christian Kirk is the only target on the Jaguars, I suppose I can see that. However, uh, I I can't because it's the Jaguars. But at the same time, I have Brandon Cooks ranked really highly, and he's on the Texans. So I, I don't I I don't know I I don't know about Christian Kirk, but what I do know is they did give him a lot of money. So in that regard, you're definitely right. We should be following the money for at least the Jaguars wide receiver room. 
I don't think Christian Kirk should be top 15 like you do, but I, I do agree with that. Uh, Robert Woods, my wide receiver 19. Don't sleep on Robert Woods. He was really, really good. Even in LA, LA as he was being overshadowed by Cooper Cup. Robert Woods was super good. And Robert Woods has recovered from his torn ACL. Uh, he's ready to go. He's he's gonna, I think, be the guy on the field the most for the Titans in the passing game because he's by far the best run blocking wide receiver in the league. So I think that's gonna lead to a lot of opportunities for Robert Woods here. Yeah, I like him. I wanted to have him higher up. Uh, I just couldn't really make it happen. Uh, you know, maybe I'll toss a couple touchdowns his way, but that's never really been his thing. Um, I just don't know if there's going to be like enough passing volume in Tennessee for him to get that super high reception total that made him really good for a couple of years there. But but I definitely like him. I, I think he's a good pick where he's going. Then we have Drake London, Elijah Moore of the Jets, who was also really good last year. Just don't sleep on Elijah Moore. You can get him probably around the same range as most of these guys, like fifth to ninth round. Michael Thomas, who I think we're both – I have Michael Thomas ranked as my wide receiver 23. I'm assuming he's healthy. But honestly, if I don't hear anything – in the next couple of weeks about Michael Thomas, I'm going to be tanking him in my rankings. Uh, Hunter Renfro, our consensus wide receiver, 37. Then Chris Godwin, who maybe I- I've ranked right outside of my top 20. He may play week one. Let- let's talk about Chris Godwin real quick here. Do you think Chris Godwin plays week one? Um, no, I, I don't think he plays week one. I, I don't think there's a big reason to rush him back. Um, I, I believe uh, when you were compiling our aggregate ranking spreadsheet here, you used five um, season total for Chris Cousin. But uh, on, on a points per game basis, I do have him as the wide receiver 13. Um, so it's very interesting. I just, I just haven't projected for 13 games right now. Right. Um, because there's just no, there's no, they have plenty of wide receivers now. It'll be fine if they bring that, you know, minimum. Oh, this is funny. Uh, wide receiver 39, Alan Robinson, you ranked as your wide receiver thir- 35. I ranked as my wide receiver 46. Our next wide receiver, Jacoby Myers of the New England Patriots, I ranked as my wide receiver 35. You ranked as your wide receiver 47. So they're being separated by one rank. <laughs> so funny. To me, I I view Jacoby as a safer bet here. Alan Robinson coming from Chicago. We don't know if he was faking it to get out of Chicago. We don't know if he's just <laughs> done. Jacoby looks pretty good. And Jacoby doesn't score touchdowns ever, except for the one. But I think he scores more than one touchdown in his career. <laughs> I, th- I really do think he's going to exponentially grow his touchdown amount. Yeah, I, I like Jacoby as an NFL player. Uh, I just, for fantasy, prefer somebody with a profile that might lead to more upside. Um, and that number two wide receiver role in the uh, Sean McVay offense has been a wide receiver one in the past. Robert Woods has done that. Um, and I just don't see the Patriots producing a receiver with a chance at being a wide receiver one. Uh, so, yeah. you know, that, that slim sliver of upside is why I like Allen Robinson uh, that much more. 
believe it or not, this wide receiver is the only wide receiver that we have the same ranking for. Both have him as our wide receiver 42, but our consensus wide receiver 41. That That's just how the rankings worked out because we're really polarized on these guys. Uh, Alan Lazard, who we both seem to have as Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver, but we don't have him being super good. But if there was a guy on the Packers to take a flyer on, I think it's Alan Lazard. Aaron Rodgers prefers his veterans, and uh, he's Alan, I think, at this point, uh, could be the guy here. Yeah, I don't think any of the Packers wide receivers get to a 1,000 yards, uh, given how much I expect them to run the ball and the you know staggering number of players that they have at the position. They don't have any you know super talents there. I don't think anybody would say that, but they do have a lot of bodies now with Lazard and Watkins and Watson and Dobbs and Rogers and Cobb. I mean, they have six guys that could easily be the best wide receiver on the team. So I don't think any of them are going to sniff the top 24 this year, unless, you know, there's a huge breakout, but I, I, I just don't believe in the talent of any of them to step up to that degree. Running out the top 50, we have Traylon Burks, rookie wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, Nico Collins, Kadarius Tony of the New York Giants, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Personally, I prefer Sky Moore over Juju, but I can see the pathing where Juju just gets all of the targets or gets a lot of the slot targets where he just gets peppered with Patrick Mahomes targets that leads to a top 50 finish. Uh, Gabriel Davis, uh, Buffalo Bills, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and Brandon Ayuk. Um, of those remaining guys, I think you have Juju rated much higher. You have him as your wide receiver 21. So talk to me about Juju real quick. Yeah, so, you know, you know, in part because I'm not betting on any of the Packers receivers, I uh, wanted to take a stance on the Chiefs wide receivers. Um, Sky Moore's dealing with a little bit of an injury already. Um, obviously, no Justin Ross, you know, no Josh Gordon, Travis Kelsey getting a year older. I just kind of like uh, what Juju has to offer. I think the upside is absolutely there. Um, you know, he is probably of these guys, you know, past wide receiver 30, the most likely to finish in the top 10, just because he has Patrick Mahomes playing with a pretty bad defense this year. Uh, so I expect Juju, you know, sitting at seven receptions a game regardless of what happens. Um, and it's possible that, you know, he's putting up seven receptions, 90 yards a game instead of seven receptions, 40 yards a game like he was with the Steelers. Uh, so, yeah, into Juju this year. I think he's the guy. I, I like MVS too. It's just hard in the PPR scoring format to get MVS up to a super high ranking. But I do have him as my wide receiver 32. Um, just because there's got to be. You know, if if Travis Kelsey was the tight end one and Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver four uh, for so many years and Tyreek Hill leaves, Travis Kelsey stays the tight end one. You know, some guys have to be good wide receivers on the Chiefs. Uh, and I think MBS and Juju being the wide receiver 21 and 32 uh, kind of replaces that Tyreek Hill, you know, super upside sort of high volume guy. That. I think the Chiefs definitely are an interesting situation, something you want to monitor. I do not take a stance on any one of the guys like you do, though. 
All right. With that, I think that wraps up our wide receivers here. Obviously, it's a pretty contentious position, very volatile, a lot of ranges of outcomes for a lot of different guys that can range from top 10 to top three, even to not even in the top 50. But with that being said, next episode, we're going to have a little bit of a break between bringing our wide receivers and our tight ends. And we're going to do a little bit of a mock draft, uh, maybe with some potential guests. So look forward to that. And thank you again for watching another episode of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. Peace out.